Again, it is a special thing when, when uh, you stand with, uh, with friends and fellow Christians and fellow church members to uh, sing God's praises in this way. We, we just came back from Norway where the Baptist World Alliance had their meeting and they'd asked me uh, kindly to uh, speak in, in one of the sessions there. And so uh, there's something special about that. And I wanted just to make everybody aware uh, of this. You know, it's easy when you are from a place like this with, with large churches and a big presence of Baptist life uh, in society, even like that. Where I grew up, there was one-tenth of one percent that were Baptist. Right? So you're a minority. People who say they're a minority, we were a minority. One-tenth of one percent. And so you're just automatically somewhat weird, somewhat strange. Not only weird because you went to church, but because you're a Baptist even at that. Um, and so in that setting, it makes all the difference in the world. And that is the most common setting around the globe for people to be connected with other brothers and sisters in the faith from around the globe. It truly, truly matters. And so the Baptist World Alliance now consists of, of uh, 256 uh, kind of uh, denominations and, and conventions and unions and what they're all called uh, around, around the globe from 128 different countries. And they come together uh, every fifth year for massive meeting and every year for for uh, smaller kind of uh, uh, settings. They're still somewhat large, but but uh, compared to that, they're somewhat smaller. And this year was one of the annual kind of gatherings to uh, kind of catch up with all that's going on around the world. And as you can imagine, I met people from everywhere. There's something very special about that. Not only we landed a couple of days early in Denmark, and I'm going to avoid uh, any kind of uh, reminiscence on on the, the vacation part of some of that, saw family, but every place we went, every church we went into, you had, uh, you know, a lot of Ukrainians, and you can imagine, right? They were everywhere, and, and they were beat, and they were uh, hurt, and it was difficult, and they were in new situations, and it was... Uh, quite uh, difficult for many of them. So we had quite a bit of prayer with some of that. But, but that was just part of that. When you stand in, uh, in Norway and Stavanger there with people from around the globe and you recognize the history of the Baptist world alliance so tightly interwoven with Texas Baptist life even. Then it began in 1905 and one of the, the leading kind of members was not from Texas but was, uh, well, Alexander McLaren, just a famous preacher <clears throat> that all those who have studied the history of preaching uh, will have uh, run into in, in some way or the other. And then not, not too long after that, uh, George W. Truett, right, the, the famed pastor of First Baptist Church of Dallas, became the president in 1934, actually, of that, and that was what thrusted him into international fame, uh, his five years of service, uh, right there. We are tightly interwoven still. There are quite a few also, uh, Texas Baptist people, uh, involved there. Even the, the current, uh, executive director, Elijah Brown, who's doing a fantastic job, 
uh, is it came to that position from East Texas Baptist University. Go figure, yes? Uh, we are interwoven with that. I thought it was important uh, to kind of um, speak just a word on that. You know, when you stand with Christians from around, some that are really going through a difficult time, and uh, the song leader said, let's sing O Stora Good, right, which is in English, How Great Thou Art, written in the, by a Swedish uh, hymn writer. And you hear all the Swedes and then the Norwegian and then the Indonesian and, and then uh, those from Burma, those from, from Ghana, those from Zaire, those from, from, uh, from Peru and those from, from South Africa. Everybody just raise up their voice and all those who spoke English, right? Singing, how great thou art. And we all do it as loud as we can, obviously, right? You want your language to be heard. You're standing in the midst of Acts, the book of Acts right there. That's what happens. And your spirit is lifted in ways. And I thought about the same thing. I wish I could have taken that whole moment and brought it right back home here to First Louisville to see uh, what was going on and how God is working in, in so many ways. I've, I asked uh, if they would put on a couple of pictures just to see what's going on around the world. And I'll, I'll finish it up pretty quick here. Could you put that on? Uh, just to see, uh, could we, could we start, uh, with the, with the slide that speaks to, uh, the growth and, and the decline of, of Baptists around the world? I want to say just a word about that here. Uh, the other one, the last one, I guess, of the three. Uh, there you go. If you notice, uh, here, we are the best equipped. We have the most money. We have the most capacity. In North America, right? And we have 5% decline. Uh, and that's looked at broadly among the Baptists that are part of the Baptist World Alliance. Northern European, uh, not Northern, but Europeans generally, this includes, so the decline would have been much larger. Of course, also Eastern Europeans. Uh, and you see also there when you have more means and more of that. And then look. And what happens in Asia Pacific and Caribbean Baptist, Latin American Baptist and Africa Baptist, 102% growth. I was sitting there thinking, and then bottom line, 200% growth, First Baptist Louisville, Texas, right? Um, but just look at this, and it is just a reminder of, of what God is doing with these People, when you have some of the poorest of the poor and just not bashful about sharing God's grace and God's news. And then if you go on to that vulnerability uh, thing also, I just want to show you this. <clears throat> it was striking to me that Ukraine is not on there. They, they, they measure a whole thing. Where is it most dangerous to be a Christian and most dangerous to be a Baptist uh, even at that? Look at that list. That's where you pray in the morning, and if someone overhears you, you don't know that you live till noon. This is where you might die of a starvation of other things, right? And you have see all the countries where you saw the growth that was happening also, and you have the greatest danger there to be a confessing believer in Jesus Christ. I thought that was a, that was a striking, striking list when you see that. And then look at the last slide again. I just want to comment that for a second, right? Uh, the highest vulnerability here 
is exactly where you have extreme hunger and livelihood challenges, right? 30% of all Baptists live in those areas. I don't want to say spell out doom and gloom, but I want to say, can we pray for people in ways that we may not have before, right? And can we recognize the blessings that God has given us and ask the questions, how are we using those blessings to do the work that he has called us to do? Anyway, I'm going to round this up. It was indeed a a very special kind of opportunity uh, to meet with leaders from around the world, leading theologians from from Romania, a dear, dear friend of mine for a long time, sat with the president of the the Baptist Seminary in Nazareth, where Jesus grew up, right, and talked to him about how we could do some things together and and help each other out in in ways as as we can as Baptists. So, So a number of those kinds of folks... Um, it was just good to see God's work. That brings me to life together. Hope I haven't bored you with these things. But life together is highlighted with that. We need each other, right? There's no one that is superfluous, no one that is not needed, no one that, that is not in need. That's just how that, that, that goes. So I want to talk to us about a text today, um, and I'll do it a little bit brief. I see uh, some of that. I'm, I'm not going to completely just let go of what God has given me to speak, but, but, um, but this is a special kind of a text that we deal with. We are so involved. If you find Luke's gospel, uh, chapter 5, and I'll begin to read from verse 12 in just a moment. Think about things these days. How do we think? We think about me. We think about I can. And we have, you know, generations, a couple of them now that have grown up where you can become anything you put your mind to, whether that's true or not, right? God didn't gift us to do anything and all things. And, uh, and so we have different giftings and different uh, possibilities. But, but we kind of live with that. That turned into, I have the right to become anything that I want to. And then it turned into, well, I should become anything thing that that uh that i want to and now of course we have you know iphones and ipads and i this and i that and and everything is about i and so here we come to this incredible text here in luke that turn things around it's a refocus from i can do that to you can do that oh lord that's what it is from being eye-shaped, which, which is about isolation and me and looking at me. It becomes Christ-shaped, which is about community and looking at what God can do in us and among us. It's about being Christ-shaped and mission-focused. And so it's about whether we are driven or not by what God really wants us to do. And this text is so exciting uh, when, when you read it like this and look that way. Uh, so it points forward, right? We are just a few weeks from the, from the fall season. And, and so we're looking forward to what God can do. And this is a text that looks forward. Not just who am I, but who is God and what can God do? And, and so let us read that text together and see here. Verse 12, chapter 5, the Gospel of Luke. And this is what he's saying. He says, while Jesus was in one of the towns, a man was there who had leprosy all over him. 
He saw Jesus uh, fell down. He saw Jesus fell face down and begged him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Reaching out his hand, Jesus touched him saying, I am willing, be clean. And immediately the leprosy left him. Then he ordered him to tell no one, but go and show yourself to the priest and offer what Moses had commanded for your cleansing as a testimony to them. But the news about him spread even more, and large crowds would come together to hear him and to be healed of their sickness. Yet he often withdrew to desert, uh, deserted places uh, to pray. Just think about this. There's no room here for you to kind of escape, say, this is not about me. This is not about you. But it's about what you can do when you affirm the power of Jesus. It's not about your abilities. It's not what we look about, well, what can we do? And we can look at others and, well, they can do more because they have more. No. It's about what can God do when we affirm his power. When people affirm the power of Jesus, he will act. That's what we see right here in the beginning, right? And it's an important thing, I think, to notice how that works. When we as a church and when each of you as an individual place your life in God's hand, he will work. And it looks like this is not just a repeated kind of a theme from some pages of Scripture, but something we see everywhere around. I heard testimony upon testimony upon testimony about that last week uh, there at the, at the Baptist World Alliance. Where Jesus' power is affirmed, God's power is unfolding, and it becomes visible and they can be seen not only in people, but among people. That's really what it is to be Christ-shaped. That you look and you ask, what does he want? What is he about? What is this all about? And not only do we see that in Scripture uh, and in, in the present kind of situation... But we can highlight that just by some simple examples that we have known. If you go to what we were preaching about just a few uh, Sundays ago, uh, to the story of of, uh, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, and then in front of that fiery furnace, and and, uh, Nebuchadnezzar, the emperor, had asked them and said, you got to worship this statue that I built and and worship me and this whole thing. And and then he says, if not, I'm going to throw you in the fiery furnace. Uh, And then who's there? What kind of God could possibly rescue you from that? Or from me, for that matter. Here's what they answered. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego replied to the king, and they said, Nebuchadnezzar, we don't need to give you an answer to this question. If the God we serve exists, then he can rescue us from the furnace of blazing fire, and he can rescue us from the power of you, the king. But even if he does not rescue us, we want you to know, king, 
that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden statue that you have set up. And what happened? God revealed his power right there. The furnace was so hot that those who were taking them to, to throw them into it, they died from the heat, but they were rescued. And they stood there and withstood that fire and that power. And everything changed from that, including Nebuchadnezzar. And so we see these powerful things. And then we look at the church today around uh, the globe where you see that this is such that not only are individuals changed by God's power, but whole societies are changed. And I spoke to to some of the leaders in the in the uh, uh, from Ghana, for example, right? And they they said, you know, on a given Sunday, we anticipate about eighty five percent of the population being in church worshiping Jesus. Some of you don't think of that because it's not that many years ago that it was not like that. Faithful people who affirmed the power of Jesus saw that. So here we have people who unashamedly, unequivocally, and without any kind of fear whatsoever, without being forced in any way, share the power of who God is and the grace of his son, Jesus Christ. And it changes Not one, not two, not three, but whole areas and whole societies. That made me think of this. Myself, all of you, how long has it been? Maybe we should write this, you know, on a little note and put it on our mirrors and our fridges or wherever we hang things that we look at. How long has it been since we said to another human being, Jesus can solve your problem. Jesus can heal your sickness. Jesus can restore your health. Jesus can touch your family. Jesus can put husband and wife back together. Jesus can give you boldness to say and to speak about his grace. Jesus can. Are we hearing this? Our future as a church, our future as individual Christians for that matter, depends upon how we are able and we are willing to affirm Jesus' power. Because notice what happens when that becomes the pattern. Just look back in these verses and notice that, that Jesus here is touching the untouchable. He is, he is loving the unlovable. He is forgiving the unforgivable. And Luke highlights for us that Jesus' eagerness and his desire to show his love transgressed all the norms that people say, well, we're not with those kind of folks. We're not with those. We, we, they transgressed all of that. He was creating this alternative way of being together, this alternative community that we have come to call the church where everything looks different. He reached out and he touched him. 
it says. The person that all the other folks walked out around in a big, big, big circle. He felt Jesus' warm hand around his shoulder. The person that everybody scorned, looked down upon and said that she or he was unlovable. She or he felt Jesus' love penetrate their very body. The person that everybody said were, were unforgivable. They were sinners. That's why they had that, that illness. They heard Jesus say, be clean. You are forgiven. Just imagine that. What, did he deserve that? The only thing he'd done was to affirm the power of Jesus. If you will, you can, oh Lord. And before he knew it, God's power was revealed in him. That was it. And people around notice. There's another result here that, that we can't miss, right? He restores the fellowship between people. You know, the, the leprous people were effectively placed outside of fellowship of any kind of community in the ancient world. Once that, that illness was, was recognized and it was declared that they were leprous, they were, they were just pushed out. There was no way they could, they could uh, engage with anyone. I learned something last week that I had not known before. I was walking down the street of Bergen in Norway, and I got to the place, and I got a picture of it right here, uh, called St. Jurgen's Hospital. It was established in, in, um, in 2000, I mean, in, four, in the 1400s, then it burned down and was rebuilt in the 1700s. For some reason or another, they had a huge kind of colony of leprous people there. But I want to, I mentioned this to say, and you go on to the next slide, you see some of the, the inside of that. These are built in the 1700s. Uh, they were doing research with that. They were trying to figure out this. And then in 1853, are you hearing me? 1853 years later than this story. A guy called Gerhansen, uh, Gerhard Hansen uh, found what bacteria it was that, that caused leprosy. And, and from then on now, you know, uh, various kinds of medicines are done. So it's, it's not that big of a deal uh, as it was. 1,850 years later, they were shunned. And now, all of a sudden, in spite of it, in contrast to all that, that they knew was that they were isolated, now, suddenly they could sit at the table again of their loved ones. Imagine what must have happened to him as he felt, you know, the prickling and whatever happened to your, to your body when suddenly your, your flesh is being restored uh, to your bones in, in your body. Imagine what happens when you, the very friends that you have not been able to hug before now, you can hug them. The very people who used to scorn you and tell, tell you to get away, to come on over here, be part of our 
group. Everything changed. Even that he was able to now stand in the midst of the congregation and sing God's praise. And bow his knees with those next to him. Are we getting this? When you affirm the power of Jesus. And it doesn't become a matter of who you are. Lord, if you are willing, you can. You know, we live in a world where a lot of people feel like they're leprous. They feel like other people experience them as untouchable, unlovable, unforgivable. We see so much pain these days, right, with massive numbers when you look at suicide and unspeakable numbers when you look at mass murder, not to speak about just murder. And some say, well, this person had a mental illness. Well, if you kill someone, you have a mental illness, yes? We live in a world that needs people who are not shying away from, from standing shoulder to shoulder with this band and said, Lord, if you can, you will. We want to affirm your power. People who, without hesitation, without bashfulness, without, without any kind of, uh, kind of concern, there to affirm the power of Jesus. I don't know you know how to say this. But again, have to ask, and I ask myself the same question, really. You know, how long has it been since, since God, on the background of my testimony, has revealed his power to the people around me? Since people have been restored to fellowship with others that they felt they were outside of. If people have been restored to love, been restored to being included. I had a, I had a student come to me once, um, and he said, Dr. Wong, can I steal five minutes of your time in the office and say, come on in? And he said, you spoke about the word pistis, uh, which is a Greek word that we translate with faith in the New Testament. And you talked to us about how that means trust. I need to learn how to trust that God loves me. I just don't know what that looks like. I, I never tried that feeling. I never had the feeling that I could trust that someone loved me. That was difficult, friends. But now, of course, he is a minister and he has seen it and he learned to trust. It's a powerful thing to affirm that Jesus can solve your problem. Jesus can touch your life. Jesus can change the reality. So let me round up with this. And just notice that last verse here when it says, what happens when people affirm that? 
And it comes to us like this was something that, that is almost like a rule because just about every story we read in the, in the Gospels, you'll see that same thing going on. You will see exactly that when people affirm that Jesus is the Son of God, that his grace cover, covers the sins of all, and they, when they come to him, he will change their lives. Then there are lots of people who come to see what's going on there. And that's what it says right here. The news about him spread even more. Large crowds would come together to hear him. What is Jesus saying when that happens? Can we stand here in front of this new year? A new kind of church year begins in just a a couple of months or maybe less than that. To consider how are we doing our mission work? How are we facing a new season as Christians? Do we have genuine, deep, heartfelt expectation, anticipation that God has a future for this church as we affirm what he can do in our midst? Do we really live with that deep desire to see people Gather, crowds come together to see and to hear and to be healed and to be restored. Because Jesus can. You notice his answer? I am willing. Be made clean. You know, we can confuse activity with productivity. We can confuse busyness with devotedness. But if you met Jesus, you truly heard his call, said, I want you to be mine. That call comes with a call to service. You have been entrusted the responsibility to use everything he has given you, your life, your energy, your abilities, your talents, all of that to serve him. That they be translated into the service of God's kingdom. And you say, where do we find that extra surplus of energy, that surplus of inspiration? Because that is needed. If you want to touch what is untouchable, love what is unlovable, forgive what is unforgivable, you need, there is a need for an extra level, a surplus, if you will, of energy and life. That comes when you affirm that Jesus says, I can and I will. Be clean. Be clean. Look at this text. Read it again to yourself. The church does not have a ministry that is its own. We are here because God has called us. I listened to Miroslav Wolf. Some of you will know he's the director of the Center for Cultural Engagement at the University of Yale. He spoke there. Powerful, powerful uh, message. Um, One of the things he said, he said, think about this. It was a an answer he gave to a question. I'm going to end with this. He says, think of the moon. The moon does nothing 
The church is the moon. Jesus is the sun. If there's no sun that shines on the moon, you wouldn't see it. Uh-huh. By itself, it's nothing. Once the sun is there, it becomes everything. How many of us does not know that the moon will also be influential to anything, right? With, with flow and tide, all that kind of stuff, right? And you walk through the woods in the darkness, but the moon is lighting away. Why? Because the sun is there. On its own, the moon is nothing. Think of this. The church is the moon. Jesus is the sun. Powerful, yes? Powerful. Can we stand and pray? And as we always do, we want to give an invitation. Some of you may want to pray alone. Maybe want to grab the hand of someone where you're with. Someone want to come here and pray with one of us. Those of us who are here, if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, this is the time. Please don't take this flippantly. It's a powerful moment. God is doing his work. As you affirm the power of Jesus to change your life and through your testimony and your presence, other people's lives. Father, would you do your work in us right now? There are some, either whether they're listening on the live stream or they're here in this building, who need to come to say, Lord Jesus, touch me. I felt untouchable. Love me. I felt unlovable. Forgive me. I felt unforgivable. There are some here who realize that there are people in their orbit that may feel like that and we are called to be the ones to tell them that is not so. To go touch and love and forgive. Move us, O Lord, that it may be said of us that we are there affirming that Jesus can. Thank you for calling us this great church, these great people. Lord, may your grace be poured out and may it not be in vain. We love you and we want to say it. We face this new fall season. May it be life together with each other and with you. And we pray in your name. Amen.